Episode 2B, Brave New World. You're listening to SpexCast. This is a continuation of Episode 2B, Gravitational Waves. Last time, we had a really good conversation about science, culture, and how they interact, but it was way off topic, so we put it in its own episode right here. Coming up, you'll hear our conversation on Aldous Huxley's dystopian novel, Brave New World, and science in general. Hope you enjoy. But it's just interesting because if we had a... There's books that talk about this, right? If we have a world of Albert Einstein's, is that the ideal world? Or is it, we had a world of Elon Musk's or a world of Nikola Tesla's. Is that better than the world we have now where we have a range of people? This is getting deep. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I'll say is that if we had a world of Albert Einstein's, everybody would be normal because everybody's a genius that meaning that everybody is normal because that's what everybody's like yeah, there, it's, there's no outliers so it could be better in the way that our understanding of science and math would probably skyrocket because everybody would know another way yeah. to attack something like the average joe would understand special relativity right like exactly it's like it's uh, kindergarten man, like it's kindergarten math right so we might be able to advance our technologies and understandings, but better in other senses, maybe not. <laughs> now, I've, after a brief research break, uh, the book I was talking about is called Brave New World. Oh, know. yeah. You, that one. That one. It, all about how Brave, Brave New Henry World Ford is, is not all about... Uh, this is... Can we, can we discuss this real quick? Yeah, I love this book. I wrote a report on it in it's one day. It's an amazing book. One day. Anyways, Brave New World is a dystopia fiction, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so it's set in the future. Have you read it? I have not. Where the ideals of progress are um, paramount. So rather than saying, like, thank God, people say thank Ford. It, Ford and the, the progress, progress, progress. Yeah. So the idea is that, like, when birth, natural birth is not a thing. Uh, people are born in basically assembly line fashion, and each individual egg and fetus is conditioned um, while it's in the on the assembly line, so that okay. when they're born, like from conception, they have a social class, they have a job, they have a role, and they're uh, from the get-go conditioned to perfectly fit that role. Right. So everything runs smoothly, and um, they kind of curtail the problems as we see them today of vices like um sex and alcohol and things by making those no longer problems no longer (laughs) right you're free like um you know you're free to do anything you want and since you're it's not forbidden or looked down upon it's not a problem because it it doesn't get in the way of, of daily life now you say the book is all about progress right and they obviously idolize But do they really like what is their definition of progress and do they actually promote progress? Because when we think of progress, there's social progress, technological progress, cultural progress, 
And when I think of progress, I think of you know humanity improving its life and expanding. The point of the book is to make you question that right there. Okay. So so progress in the book. Progress is you know technological progress. People buy expensive things because they're supposed to. People use high tech things because that's what it's for. There's no art and, appre- and culture and appreciation for the natural world or literature because in terms of technological advancement, in terms of production and making material goods, things like that, literature is irrelevant. Therefore, we don't value it. That's how the, the society in, in the fiction perceives the world. So right now, people value STEM uh, professions. They value engineering. They value um, anything high-tech. Right. So if high-tech is all we care about, then where is the beauty in the world? That's a very insightful point of view. It's a little right. bit existential. <laughs> I, I really, like, I, I read the book and I really enjoyed the book, but I didn't latch onto the progress theme as part of the best Now, the reason I brought this up is that class-based system, right, where they breed, they don't sexually reproduce. They have lost sex, they don't sexually reproduce. Yeah. They breed new members into their society. And they artificially increase the intelligence of a certain group. And yeah. these are basically the ruling class. And they artificially decrease the intelligence to have, you know, service workers and then manual labor. Yeah, like, like garbage people. People that pick up the trash, people that clean the bathrooms and stuff right. are artificially made less intelligent and more essentially like they're only intelligent enough to do their role to do their roles now the main theme i got was the idea of happiness right now it's explained later on the book that spoilers spoilers unfortunately spoilers (laughs) if you haven't read brave new world read it and then come back uh what happens is that the people who are artificially reducing intelligence are happy doing these meal labor jobs because they don't know what they really want. And even with the artificially increased intelligence, the alphas, right, they still don't really, can't grasp what they could have. And there's actually, one of the main characters is an alpha that can grasp that, that there's more to life than doing acid and sex, because yeah. that's what they do in the in, book. In, in the book, it's referred to as soma. If you're ever feeling sad, you take the pill and it makes you happy. Yes. So wow. It's acid. Okay. <laughs> they actually have aerosol so much. Great. Anyways, hmm. um, they, the, one of the main characters is an alpha that is feels like he's lacking in society. And the society has a kind of safety valve for that, where they send these alphas who are too smart for their own good, too smart to be happy in the system, to then go to an island it's where like they have... a vacation camp, almost. Well, it's hinted that this island is a place for them to be free. It's like that society, the dystopian society they present, they don't have freedom, right? You don't get to choose what you do. Everyone's happy, right, yeah. in a kind of utilitarian sense. Yeah, it's, they use people as a resource. Yeah, and so those people who want the freedom of our society actually get to go off to, you know, Madagascar or like some reservation. Okay. They call it the reservation. Well, there's yeah. there's a reservation of savages. That's also... That's what... They, as they refer to them, yeah. But I think he goes off to Iceland or Madagascar, and he's with other alphas who are super smart. Oh, there's yeah, also I remember that part. Another yeah. character is um, a savage. So in the story, they present, like, 
modern okay. Western culture. Yeah, right. I don't want to go on too long, but modern Western That's culture, okay. right? Uh, it takes place in England, but most of the United States. This modern, everyone. It's like a super advanced city that we're talking about yeah. here. Okay. And then, now there's this I'll place called the Savage it. Lands. <laughs> we're both. This is a really good book. The Savage yeah, Lands. Sounds it's basically, like it. it's basically an Indian reservation, and they definitely like assign characters as being Native Americans. They're cut off from the society. They're not. They're natural born. They're tribal. Not really tribal, but they also have access to old world literature like Shakespeare and things. Yes. Oh, okay. So it's yes. it's more of a if you think about the little things in life like like culture and things and there's a real emphasis on family and the savage as they refer to him is a person that grew up on this reservation without access to all this progress. So, more spoilers. There is a high up alpha and his wife go to the Savage Lands for vacation, right? To it's like a tourism thing, kind of like oh. an African safari, right. where they're in their exactly. sa- they're in their safety box and uh. they can see how the savages live. And his wife falls out of whatever helicopter car thing they have, of course, and is assumed dead. She actually survives. And there's this really interesting comparison between modern good society yeah. as they live in the book and the savages, <clears throat> where the savages have a lot of traditional family values, traditional gender roles, traditional family roles, traditional thinking about sex and all that stuff. And so you have this person from this enlightened society gets dumped in the savage lands. And they literally label her the town whore because it's okay for a person of her class to basically have as much sex with as many people as as she wants. But in their traditional society, which is not exactly like ours, um, she's breaking a lot of social laws, social taboos. And so she's kind of outcast. And she is never happy, even though she has, she now has the freedom that we as readers in our society Valid. think is good. Yeah. But now that she's away from her oppressive society, from our point of view, she is super unhappy. And uh. the, the second half of the book is her son is now the main character. And he leaves, having been born and lived in the Savage Lands... He gets to go to this great society, and he and he, he, he idolizes it because mm-hmm. he, as soon as he finds out about it from his mother, she tells him about like sort of uh, nostalgic way because like you said she, now she's unhappy, so she's yeah. thinking back to these glory uh, hap- days. yeah her glory days, and so he grows up thinking that uh, idolizing those glory days because that's all she was happy right. So then he goes to the the modern society and it's pretty much the opposite like what happened to his mother the inverse happens to him uh, yeah so his mother gets sick and norm in so he brings her to the city and hopes to save her and in the modern city being utilitarian they have drugs to once you grow up into young adulthood Modern medicine has advanced so much that you don't really age uh, physically. Okay. Mm-hmm. But once you reach like age 50, you still look like you're 25, but you're still 50. Okay. So they basically euthanize you because you're not useful to size. So you're past your prime. Right. So they take, he takes his mother there and then she basically gets put in, into a sedated. They hook her up coma. to just a tube of acid and then she just sits there until she dies. But she dies happy yes. because of the soma. 
Is it real happiness, though? So that's exactly. that's what the reader has to think. So this book, so Phil mentioned the progress thing. I, my, the main takeaway is definitely this happiness. It's like... Both are correct. No, like that was, I've never heard that point of view and it makes a lot of interesting points. But, um, like, everyone in society is happy. There are edge cases of people who are too smart to be happy who get sent off to live this life that we would find happy and but the whole argument is that they're still upset that well not they're still upset that we as readers coming from our world think that's bad it's like in a world where everyone's happy and there's no want or need do we want that because the book makes a very strong argument that we don't want that and that is quite interesting it's where do your values lie is, is where I took it. Yeah. So if you value... And whether forced happiness is really happiness is interesting. Well, it's, it's also a case of free will, right? There's, there's one sort of... I don't know if it's a corollary is the right word, but the leader of the city, the mayor, the governor... The governor. ...has free will, but he's like... He knows everything that's going on. He knows that these people have no choice, even though they're, they, they don't care. Yeah. And, but he meets with other world leaders and they collectively decide that this is how the, the city's going to run. This is how the world's going to run. And this, we're doing things. We're making things. We're advancing technology. We're advancing um, production of, of things. And you need to read this book. Uh, we're going to add it to the, the, the reading list. Even okay. Less. Yeah, add it to the specs reading list. And um, awesome. I can add another book. It's called uh, Gravity from the Ground Up uh, by Bernard Schutz, um, German guy, and he is he explains how it works from the very foundations. Of and gravity? It's fantastic, absolutely, yep. Okay. So You're tying this whole episode back together. Bringing yeah. it back home. And that can tie in to physics. <laughs> well <laughs> we done, We think well we done. know everything that we know because of equations but the underlying foundation of these equations could be wrong but we are confident that it's not because of the equations yeah it definitely ties into hypothesis and theories so you know with the scientific method we have the theory of evolution the theory of gravity right and in a scientific sense those have a much different meaning than in your casual one, sense. one thing um, adding on to this that also changes over time as, as our traditions and our values as a, as a society change over time and what we think is good, what we think is bad. We're all young people. The generation or two before us had a completely different outlook, a right. worldview. And I think an interesting thing to look at is that's sort of also reflected in, in science. Like at a time when religion was extremely important and valued to people, they looked at things through the scientific method, but as people, they have a, a, the lens of the religious influence. Yeah, they were biased well, in their yeah, view. Yeah, and right. it's not like it's not that they meant to be. It's just that they were. They and were over time, like um, Galileo's excommunication from the church and right. Copernicus challenging the geocentricity. Yeah. Right. And um, it would be interesting to see what people 
100 years in the future are saying about our <laughs> no. excitement over gravitational waves. Exactly. The one thing that I want to bring up is that I disagree on one point. All of science, like scientific formulas, right, scientific facts, which is a, a word science doesn't really use much, Right. those are always true no matter who knows them, who's discovered them, etc. Right? Like the idea of like one quantity plus two another quantity equals twice that quantity. Yeah. No matter how we represent that, one plus one equals two, whatever, either on Earth or an alien planet, is true and the same. However, with social ideas, a group as as humans might think a social behavior, social construct is okay, and then over time think that's not okay or change it, and then might go back after another period of time to think that is okay. And so social truths change and evolve. But scientific but truths not, remain the same. But they're not always true. Scientific truths always remain the same. It just depends on when we discover them. Like gravitational waves have been happening for as long as humans have existed. Mm-hmm. But we've just reached the point, and we've theorized that they've been happening. We've just reached a point where we know that they happen. Yep. The way we explain things is sometimes limited and sometimes shaped by how we already think about the universe. Thanks for tuning in to our bonus episode on Brave New World, Science and Culture. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this episode or suggest new topics, send an email to specscast at gmail.com. This podcast is made possible by RIT Specs, a space exploration student-faculty research organization at the Rochester Institute of Technology. Music credit, Kevin Hartnell.